It's very weird uh, for me to preach not in front of a room full of people. Uh, it is a bit awkward in the beginning, but um, I have a word for us for today, and I'm really excited to, to get to share it with you. Um, I don't know about everybody this past week, but for me personally, this past week really has been somewhat of a roller coaster, emotionally, mentally. There are times where you feel, you know, like supernatural faith, and you're like, okay. I'm going to be fine. Everything's going to blow over. And I think it's only a matter of time. And then there's other times where you are like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Uh, oh my gosh, what, what is going to happen to this nation? And there's times where, uh, you know, you feel your emotions, your, your thoughts just going up and down. A lot of it has to do with what you happen to be reading and meditating on, what, um, kind of news, uh, you, you're reading, what outlets you are, uh, tapping into. Um, and, but this is my encouragement for us today, um, regardless of what the news says, and I'm not saying ignore what the news says. I think it's very important actually at this time for us to be well informed and for us to know exactly what's going on. No numbers, no statistics, uh, stay up to date with the different uh, notices that we're getting from the government as well. It's very important for us to do that, but it's very important for us also to make the distinction that that is not what shepherds us. Uh, we have a good shepherd, and his name is Jesus. And when we allow what we're reading and what we're meditating on from the news or what we hear from our friends, what's going on in different group chats, things like that, uh, when we allow that to sway and have such a, you know, a, a defining power over the state of our hearts and over the state of our minds, um, that is a red flag. That That means that that's what you are allowing to shepherd your heart. That's what you're allowing to shepherd your mind. And so that's my encouragement for, for all of us this week, uh, for us to remain that place, not of oblivion, not of ignorance, but really um, allowing God to be the one who defines where our minds and where our hearts are at. Uh, this past week, really, you know, it has, there's been so much that has happened just over the last 10 days in Korea. You know, it's been from 52 cases now to over 3,000. Um, and, you know, the, the mood and the ambience, everything has changed, uh, in, in this nation. It, it started with like, oh, business as usual. Oh, it's just, you know, an issue with China. And now all of a sudden it's high alert. Everybody stay home. Um, you know, masks are, you know, um, they're, they're out of stock. Um, and we've had to intentionally remain alert and intentionally, you know, take steps to make sure that, uh, we're not just taking care of ourselves, but we're also protecting, uh, people who are around us. And for those who have a predisposition and a tendency to worry too much, I will put myself probably in that category. Um, I think it comes from my mom. I, no, I'm not blaming mom. I'm not blaming you. But but my mom is is a type of person who worries a lot, um, and I think I have that predisposition as well. My temptation this week it has been, you know, to not allow panic to settle in, to not allow myself to spiral. Um, you know, that has been the temptation for this week. And it's been very important for me to remain alert. And for those, you know, other people who have a predisposition to not worry enough, you know, to not, uh, to be a little too blase or uh, a bit too cavalier with the situation here, the temptation this week, it has been 
to learn to take things with wisdom and sobriety, to learn to empathize with others and to learn to take very necessary steps, not just for your own safety, but for those around you. And so wherever in the spectrum you are, whether you worry too much or you worry too little, um, there is something for us to um, really learn from the situation this week. And so um, I'm going to be preaching today from the book of Philippians. So wherever you are at home, if you could turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to give you just a second to find your place. Philippians chapter 4. Before we start reading from verse 4, the context of this letter, you know, it's, it's, it happens to be probably my favorite letter uh, from, uh, from the New Testament that's been written, you know, by Paul. Um, it is a very short letter. It's only four chapters long. And yet, in the short span of four chapters... Uh, Paul, he uses the word joy or its derivatives a total of 16 times, if not more. And so this, by some theologians, is described as the book of joy because the word joy and its derivatives have been, you know, are repeated so much throughout uh, this book. But here's the irony. The irony of, about this book is that it's written from prison. Out of all the books that you would imagine, being written from prison, it, it's, you don't imagine it being the book of joy. And so the fact that it is written from prison, the fact that it's not this guy sitting in a couch at home eating Doritos and watching Netflix and then writing, oh, you know, you should relax a little bit. You need to chill out. You need to calm down. That's not the situation, and that's not the context from which Paul is writing this. He's writing it from prison. And so this this context is of infinite importance. Have you ever, you know, shared your hardships with someone? You know, it, it can be like tragedy or it can be you have anxiety over something. You're going through transition. You have a family situation. You have a work situation. Have you ever, you know, shared with somebody from the heart, you know, like, hey, I'm really struggling and I don't know how to deal with this. And then your friend kind of like lightly and glibly says, oh, but God is good, you know, but, but it'll be okay. Um, God works all things for those who love him, you know, and have you ever had that experience where the last thing you feel is edified in the moment? It's not that it's untrue. It's just that in that moment, the person that's saying it or the situation, the context in which it's being said, or even the tone and perspective it's, it's being said in, it just doesn't offer you that much comfort in that moment. And then on, on the opposite spectrum, have you ever had someone you know, hear your hardships and, and listen to you attentively. And you know that they're also going through, you know, hardships. And you know that they're going through a hard time as well. Or they've gone through tragedy before. And they look at you in the eye and they say, you know, I am really sorry you're going through this. And I can't believe what it must be like to walk through what you're walking through. And yet, I know that God is good. And yet, I know that although I don't see what's happening here and I don't know what you see happening here, um, God must be good. There must be something that is coming out of this that we don't really see in the moment. And when somebody with that 
background, that context, that history says that to you. It means something completely different. It might be the same words, uh, but it is so different. The message that you hear and the message that you're receiving, it's so different because of that context. And in the same way, when we read this letter from Paul, we need to remember, this is a guy who has every justification, every reason to be bitter, to believe that God has left him, to believe that, man, after everything I've done, I can't believe that this is happening to me out of all people. I thought you were with me, God. He has every right to say those things. And yet what we hear coming out from his mouth is rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always, I will say it again, rejoice. This is an exhortation that comes from somebody who is paying the cost, who is sitting in a prison cell, choosing to fix his eyes on God in that moment where he has every temptation to hold bitterness, to hold grudges, to think that God has left him. And he chooses to fix his eyes on the Lord. And he says with boldness, with almost a sense of defiance, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Always. I will say it again. Rejoice. And then he continues on to say, let your gentleness be evident to all. In other translations, that word gentleness, it is graciousness, gentle spirit, moderation, forbearance. It means that you refuse to react out of fear or panic or anxiety when trials come your way. And there's, there's something that marks the people of God in the midst of trials and perhaps especially in the midst of trials. And that is that God's people are marked with a steadfastness, a persistence in hope, in something other than worldly circumstances. And he says that that gentleness that you carry is going to be visible and tangible to people around us. It's going to be evident to all. And how in the world is this possible? Paul gives us an insight to this. And he says, the Lord is near. These people that are able to defy the circumstances around them and still say rejoice and still remain gentle in spirit and still remain in a place where they're refusing to react out of fear or panic. The reason why they're able to do this, it isn't because of their personality. It isn't because they're not in the know. It is because they have deep down an understanding that the Lord is near and that that is enough. Because Apostle Paul, as he's imprisoned and isolated, perhaps maybe even feeling forgotten, he says that the Lord is near and that is how I can rejoice. That is how I can let this gentleness in me, despite the circumstances around me, I can make this my state of mind and heart and it's going to be evident to everybody around me because he is God, Emmanuel, God with us, the one who promised never to leave us nor forsake us. The God who makes his presence close and tangible and real. So do you know that the Lord is near you even right now from wherever you are right now? If you've had a really long week of remaining at home, you know, if you've been cut off from normal, you know, interactions that you have in your daily life, if you felt, man, like, how do I deal with this? I'm far away from my family. 
Um, I'm, I'm not able to see people on a daily basis. Maybe the comfort that we get from this today is that the Lord is near. If you feel like there's fear that is encroaching upon your heart. I'm thinking about different people in our congregation who perhaps have, you know, an even greater reason to worry right now. People, you know, who are constantly in, you know, in, uh, in contact with people who might have an, uh, a compromised immune system or, you know, people, we have people who have newborns, people who are pregnant right now and people like that who have every right and every justification to lose their cool and lose their calm in a moment like this. Maybe that is the encouragement that the word gives us today. The Lord is near you. The Lord is with you even right now. And no, no matter what happens, even though we can't meet in person today, you need to know that the Lord is near you where you are right now. If that's in your living room, in your bedroom, wherever it is that you are watching this from, the Lord is near you today. And then he goes on to say, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. And this phrase is very reminiscent of what we see Jesus saying in Matthew 6, where he says, Therefore, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And he continues on, and then he finishes off saying, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given you as well. This is a very, almost very silly um, instance that I saw God speaking to me, like this particular passage to me this past week. You know, there was... I was spending a lot of time at home, at home more than I normally do. And as I was sitting, um, you know, in my living room, I have a couple of plants, uh, that I've had for the last few months. And if you don't know me well, uh, I, I have to tell you, I am a notorious plant killer. Like I'm a serial killer when it comes to plants. Like there's not, I've, I've been, I've managed to kill like plants that are supposed to be like indestructible, you know, like cactuses, cactuses. What's the cacti? Are you sure? Cacti? Okay, cacti. Um, so plants that are supposed to be close to indestructible, I've managed somehow, I have an anointing on this, uh, to kill every plant that comes into my possession. And yet, this past week, as I was just sitting and thinking about different things and praying through different things in my living room, I, you know, I was giving these plants some sunlight and I was, they were sitting on my windowsill. And just this thought just randomly came to mind and it was, Man, if these plants have made it through this kind of season and they're, they're making it through even my ability to neglect and kill things, um, and God has sustained them somehow, how much more will I be sustained through it? How much more will God take care of me? If he's able to keep these plants alive, regardless of how anointed I am in killing all the plants that I've ever owned, um, if he's able to do that, how much more will he carry me, sustain me, protect me, take care of me? How much more will he do that? And so that's just one way in which God spoke to me this, this passage. You know, don't, don't worry. Don't be anxious. I've taken care of your plants and I'm going to take care of you as well. And then Paul continues on uh, saying, but in every situation, in every situation. And so that rules out any exception we feel like we might have. 
any exception. What if I get fired from work? What if I'm going through health issues? What if my family is falling apart? What if, just like we are today, what if there's a global health crisis? We hear from Paul saying in every situation, there's nothing that is exempt from this. And this includes what we're walking through as a nation right now. In every situation, you have a choice to pray. To bring your petition with thanksgiving before God. Before God first and foremost. Because I don't know about you guys, but this past week I was saying things and hearing things and posting things all, you know, everywhere. Everybody's going, you know, everybody is going on social media. Everybody's reading up on things. Everybody's sharing things through group chat. And all those things are good and well. I encourage you to continue to do that. But if that's the only thing that we're doing, then there's a problem there. Because we're called to take everything before the Lord first. We're called to present our requests to God by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving before God first and foremost. It doesn't mean don't share with others. It means just first present your requests to God. And then Paul continues and he says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It is the peace of God. That's what gives you confidence. That's what guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I have to, you know, say this. It isn't careless ignorance or oblivion or uh, denial of the situation. It is a faith that acknowledges the severity of the situation. And in the midst of that, you refuse to close your eyes to the reality of what is happening around you in blissful ignorance. You actually look at the circumstances in the eye. You take it in. You read up on it. You are informed. And then you choose to say, but this isn't the last word. But this isn't what defines the state of my heart or the future of my life. It is By all means, it is an act of resistance and defiance and faith to remain in a place of peace, especially when there's crisis around you. It is the peace of God that that transcends all understanding. And that is what will guard your heart and your mind. That means it will protect and keep your mental and emotional state, what you are meditating on, what you are ruminating on, your racing thoughts, your underlying beliefs, all of that will be protected and kept in Christ Jesus. It is the peace of God and the peace of God alone that is able to do that. And then God, uh, God through Paul ends by saying, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He's not saying this lightly. Again, this is someone who probably has a lot of time to think on his own. He's sitting in a prison cell. And he has so many things that are probably racing through his mind, so many concerns, not just for himself, but for all the ministries that he's unable to reach in that moment, all the people that he wants to pray for, all these different things that he he will be tempted to worry about and get anxious about. And in the midst of that, he's encouraging all of us. And he says, think about very specific things, those things that are of God. 
truth as defined by God, nobility as defined by God, rightness, purity, loveliness, admirability, excellence, praiseworthiness, all of these things as defined by God. Think about such things. Dwell upon such things. Meditate on, ruminate on, turn these things over in your heart and in your mind. That is what he's encouraging us to do, brothers and sisters. And then he he ends this passage saying, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Obviously, me in this passage, it means Paul. And he is saying from prison, what I've taught you, what I've given you, and what you've seen in me in the past and even right now. My disposition to praise. My disposition to encourage the body of Christ. What you're seeing in me right now, don't just think about it, but live it out. Walk it out. Apply it. And you will come to find in the midst of that, that the God of peace will be with you as you walk it out. As you deal with circumstances and unexpected situations, you'll come to find that the God of peace will also be Emmanuel to you, a God who is with you. And so that's our exhortation for today. That is what I feel the word of God wants to say to us today. It is very simple. It boils down to rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I have just one final question to ask us, you know, I could take a moment, you know, to update people, but I feel like the news is doing a, a fairly good job in that. And so perhaps my question for all of us today, it is what if in the midst of the difficulty, what if in the midst of everything that is out of our control today, what if this is a gift and an opportunity for the church. I'm not saying that the lives that are lost, the people who are, you know, in quarantine right now, that the tragedy of it, I'm not saying that it's not real, but I am saying, what if through all the pain, through all the chaos, through all of this, what if the church has an opportunity here? What if it is an opportunity for the church, first of all, to lean upon God like we've never leaned on him before. You know, in the past year, we have been praying, God, would you rid us of our idols? Would you bring us back to your first love? Would you lead us into tested love? Would we lean upon you? Teach us, God. We've been praying that, and perhaps this is an opportunity for us to walk that out, where 
We're not dependent on whether we meet in person even. Where we're not dependent on, man, if someone doesn't preach these things to me or if I don't meet with my house church, then I am hopeless. What if the Lord is giving us an opportunity to lean upon him first and foremost? Perhaps this will be the best opportunity that we have to test this out, to walk this out because we have no options. What if this is also an opportunity for our church to exercise all that we've been learning about in the recent while. We've been talking about spiritual disciplines. We've been talking about the power of prayer. We've been talking about grounding ourselves in the word. What if this is an opportunity for us to actually apply all the things that we've been hearing about and we've been taking notes on and we've been wanting to apply? This is perhaps a, a unique opportunity that we have to connect with God firsthand. And that's been also a prayer that we've been praying in the recent while. We've been saying, God, help us connect with you firsthand. We don't want to depend on someone else's history with you. We don't want to depend on someone else's devotional life. We don't want to depend on someone else's experience of you. We want to know you for ourselves. We want to experience you in a tangible and a personal way. What if this is our opportunity to walk that out? And then finally, something that we've been praying into is, God, would you teach us to be family? Teach us what it means to truly love one another. And perhaps today in these circumstances, not despite these circumstances, but because of these circumstances, we're given an opportunity to step up in our love towards one another. Perhaps there's people that you know that might feel lonely right now, might feel isolated, or might need company, perhaps not in person, but even just through texting or through calling. We have the benefit of having so much technology uh, at hand that allows us to be connected whether we see each other in person or not. Perhaps the Lord is encouraging you today. Don't just worry about yourself and now look around you and see if there's needs around you. There's someone who needs prayer. There's someone who needs to be reached out to. Perhaps the Lord is challenging you. Let's learn how to be family. Let's learn how to love one another. Let's learn how to encourage one another. Let's learn to walk through this together. And so I want to close with this. I, I, as I've been praying through this, you know, I'm not discounting the seriousness of, of everything. And even us as a staff, we've been walking through, okay, what should we say to our congregation? How can we best prepare a congregation? How can we uh, protect one another and encourage one another? And we've been talking about, okay, worst case scenario, what do we, how do we deal with these different things? And there's no magical formula. There's nothing that will truly get rid of, you know, the, the, the danger and the risk of, of what's happening all around us. But as I've been praying about this as well, I've been sensing more and more like God is with us. And this is a unique opportunity that we're being given um, as a church to walk out a faith in a way that we haven't ever walked out before. Because the circumstances around us perhaps are less than ideal. Perhaps because of all these things, God is giving us an opportunity now to walk out in a faith like we've never walked out before. And it's a unique opportunity that we have as a community to do that.